Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. It is the week of March 22nd, 2023, and this is episode 263. I am your host, Chris Randazzo, and joining me is Bottle of Puppers, Karen Randazzo. She recording a podcast the other day. <laughs> Evan and Angie are not around at the moment, so it's just us talking about the shows we've been watching this time around. What on earth are we going to talk about? Let's find out. But first, how the hell are you? <laughs> what are we going to talk about? I don't know. We just put this together like an hour ago. Yes. <laughs> Evan and Angie. Uh, the good news is Evan and Angie have bought a house. They are proud homeowners now. The bad Yay. news is, is that they've bought a house. And now they know <laughs> what it means to buy a house. Uh, and uh, I mean, they've obviously they're, they're, they're grown adults. They know what it's like to, to live in various places and whatnot. But boy, homeownership is uh, its own beast of. It's really something else. Yes. Yes, it really is. Uh, so they're experiencing those joys right now. Uh, and so we're going to put Poker Face off until next month. And we're just going to go ahead and do a little uh, a little episode here to kind of catch up on what we've been watching, because we've been watching quite a bit. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you live with me. I guess our listeners don't. So uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, we finished season one of The Owl House with the kids. Oh jeez, um, yeah, Owl House. I forgot to write that one. We've there's been quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> quite a lot going on. Ah, uh, Owl House, what a show, huh? It's really fun. Um, you know, it was recommended to us by our uh, nibbling, who's non-binary, and they love the show. Um, and uh, the kids have really clung on to it. I picked it like on a whim just because I wanted to see it. Um, but it was a kid show, and I was like, well. Well, hopefully the kids like it too, and they do seem to. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, I was somewhat let down by the season finale, for perfectly honest, and that's because the penultimate episode in the season was like that was top notch stuff. <laughs> that was that was really 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 impressive, and the um, especially that like, the whole uh, witch battle was very well animated. It was really over the top and extremely like well done, and I felt like the See, it felt like they tried to tell more story in the finale than they had time to appropriately tell. But it was it was very effective. It was it was good stuff, and I'm very interested to see where the show goes in season two. And very sad to know that it doesn't get uh, the conclusion that it so clearly deserves. Uh, I appreciate the kind of world building that they did with the magic school and everything. Like since you know. Harry Potter has become tainted. It's it's nice to have other magical worlds that are better with representation and uh, uh, enjoy the little like jabs that they make about the world of Harry Potter that makes no sense. Yeah, so that's been a that's been a really good show. We've also really been uh, still enjoying Ducktales with the kids. Yes, that's our other uh, uh, family time show. Besides the, the slop that Ellie's been. Oh, forcing down her throats. Oh, oh my goodness. Bless. Yes, she's discovered, um, like, Disney Channel family sitcom type shows, and we're all at her mercy now. 
the mercy of her and that girl Lele. Oh god. Which I do appreciate that on her own she picked out like a diverse show. It's just unfortunate that the content is garbage. She's also been into super kitties. <laughs> which, which is basically PJ masks with cats. Yes. And it's not as bad as that girl Lele, so That is true. I will take super kitties every day of the week and twice on Sundays instead of any single episode of that girl Lele, which is just one of the worst things I've ever seen on television. No no offense to not that any of the people who are on that show are ever gonna hear this, but you know, no personal offense to them, but wow. Just wow. Yeah, um, I'll take that over. I'll even take dipshits on YouTube over that. Yeah, goodness gracious me. Uh, but maybe we should talk about things that we've been actually enjoying instead of garbage that our kids make us watch. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, let's see here. Uh, why don't we just why don't we just take turns rolling through a rolling through list? Because I don't know. I have a bunch of things, and okay. you know, most of them are things we've watched together, but uh. Let's see. Um, I meant to talk about this last time. I should have talked about this last time, sort of droning on and on about Bad Batch, but I wanted to mention that this season of Law & Order was great. <laughs> there was a whole other season of Law & Order that was, I didn't even realize had existed until Evan, uh, you know, I found it and Evan got us all the episodes and we caught up on it finally. And it was such a course correction <laughs> over last year's uh, season, the the return. It was really, really quite something to see. Like, in particular, the one character that I... the One of the two cops that I didn't care for in the least, uh, they just basically redid his character entirely. Um, Still don't really care for him. Yeah, I'm not, like, big on the guy. You know, he's as far as, you know, being an actor, I don't find him all that interesting to watch, but he's, like, so much less offensive now. And the... In the last season, it was basically, uh, they, they brought it back, they brought back Anthony Anderson, and they had, you know, this doofus from, uh, uh, Burn Notice on there. Jeffrey and, Donovan, I think is his name. Right. And, uh, um, Anthony Anderson was, like, he was the black guy. He was the, um, he, he was the left-leaning one, and this dude was the right-leaning one. <laughs> and it was, like, Democrat versus Republican, uh, cops. And it was, like, it was just gross it was it was hard to watch just because he was so wrong but the show like wanted to give him equal time and like to be fair to be fair <laughs> but like you don't need to be fair yeah uh they they really they really both sides some stuff in uh the last season of law and order now look i'm not law and order is not reality you know this is this it th does not take place on this planet does at not. all this this is a fantasy show uh so anyone taking it too seriously is probably dangerous but uh this this last season was was a huge improvement they didn't like they they just made him apparent aware of his surroundings you know like um the guy that they replaced uh gets pronounced makad uh Brooks, I think the guy's name is. He was um, the really ill-advised James Olsen on Supergirl. And he's he he's was, a great actor. He's yeah, he's great. He was built for this role. He's oh, he's so good. 
He was so much fun to watch. They made him run in almost every, every single, single episode. Every single episode, he had to chase a perp. Every time. Yeah. And and it got to the point where every episode, he would, like, roll his eyes before he took <laughs> off running, like, again. More and more annoyed by the fact that like, somebody would be running from him. And uh, it was, like, not even communicated that, like, whatever the more athletic path to cover you know, the guy's escape, he would automatically take that one and Burn Notice would go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'll go get in the car and cut him off on the other side. You chase him and tackle him and do do all that thing. Uh, no, nah, he was great. I'm so glad he's on this show and I really hope he comes back for the next season. They left it kind of ambiguous at the end of the season, but they like, they tackled some racial stuff and instead of then like, it wasn't like after school, specially, you know, yeah, it was and, like pretty real and they didn't shy away from s explaining the whole like thin blue line and the cops have to stick together and the guy made a mistake and you know. Yeah, and, and Burn Notice, <laughs> there was that one line where it was just like, he mentioned all these things, like, but I'm white, so I never really had to deal with that. And it was just like this offhand remark. It was like, dude never would have said that never. last season. In not a last season. In a million years, that would have turned into a whole thing. Uh, so that was, that was good. It was it was great. I was really happy with this season of Law & Order. I still don't like the uh, the um, lead detective, um, lieutenant. I still don't like the lieutenant. But uh, I I like both the uh, the DAs and of course uh, Jack McCoy and it's good times. It's it 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 felt like classic Law and Order but modern and uh, that's it. Really, all that I wanted. So. Yeah, Hugh Dancy is definitely this generation's Jack McCoy, and uh, Sam Watterson is is has is completing his transition into Adam Schiff. <laughs> he is. I, I do. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with Hugh Dancy. I, I do kind of miss, um, um, Michael Cutter, uh, who they had rolling at the end of, uh, the, the previous iteration of law and order. But, uh, Hugh Dancy is a, a, a very excellent surrogate. So I do wish they gave, um, the woman who's the character, Samantha Maroon. I don't know the actress's name right now. Um, I wish they gave her more to do. I mean, I get that she's, like, his assistant, mm -hmm. but still, like, I don't know. It just gives me not good feels to see, like, oh, the white man's in charge, and the minority woman is just there to help and sometimes be a plot point, and so, like, sometimes she has ideas that I'm like, why don't you listen to her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is pretty great, and I'm kind of surprised that they haven't, that they didn't flip those roles when the show came back, because the uh the da has always been you know the, the right it was ben stone uh and then jack mccoy replaced ben stone and then geez jack went on and on and on until he uh moved up and then uh michael cutter stepped in so there have been a lot of uh, you know assistance to them over the years but it's, it's always just it's always been you know the white dude and I guess you're probably not going to get Hugh Dancy and make him like a supporting role. Like right, that's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. So I mean, I, I get it. It would be, it would be, it would be cool to see a change in that dynamic. Uh, just because you know it's been that exact dynamic for several decades now. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you're also not going to do this to Hugh Dancy. But if you were to get somebody else, and like, it would be fun to see like somebody who kind of failed up into that position and then like being supported and maybe eventually replaced by a more competent 
you know, subordinate who is, you know, different race or gender. That would be pretty cool. Also, the the technology cop is oh, great. Oh, yeah, the, she's great, too. Yeah, I wish I knew her name. Like, they don't. They don't yeah. treat her like a main a main enough character for us to know what her name is, but like every time the detectives strike out, she shows up and she's like, "Hey, I got this thing," and the case is back on. <laughs> there was a a woman who was like that in the original series too for a while, and I I never knew that character's name either. They said it once or twice, but I'm terrible with names. But like it was the same situation. She'd just be like walk into the room every now and then, be like, "Hey, I found the thing," and they'd be like, "Oh, thanks for finding the thing. Let's go do the things." But she never seems to get the credit that the the you know lead detectives get. Yeah, it's like there's a whole other show happening somewhere else where she's the main character. That would, that would be a great Law and Order spinoff, <laughs> like would be. Law and Order Technology Cops. <laughs> it's just hours and hours <laughs> of like combing through, <laughs> typing at computer. I guess that would be a terrible show, actually. <laughs> It's like when they showed hackers in '90s movies, and it's just like very intense typing and <laughs> intense music. <laughs> Lots of sounds that computers don't make. Oh yes, like, I don't know about you, but every time I change a window on my desktop, it doesn't go bleak. <laughs> There's none of that. <laughs> yes, I have my keyboard clicks turned off. Come on, it's it's the year of our Lord, 2023. Let's go. All right, what's uh your your pick? What's next? Um, okay, well, I guess I should talk about the one thing I watched on my own, uh, which was the Harry and Meghan documentary on uh, Netflix, six part uh documentary that they produced after having left the royal family. Um, it was really interesting. I mean, if you're a royals fan, uh, it like you know it didn't tell a lot of things that I didn't already know but it was sort of like just a interesting perspective on you know if you just follow the news then you like know the events but if you watch this you get more of a sense of like what truly happened um and some bad stuff happened <laughs> um i think the thing that i learned the most out of it was like how disgusting the press is particularly the, and when i say the press i mean the british tabloid press not yeah. like reporters in general the um, paparazzi it's just uh th so i guess the way it is in england is because the british people's taxes pay for the monarchy that they uh have feel they have an entitlement to their lives like anything they do in public including like walking down the street getting into their car going to like i don't know whatever um <laughs> the bathroom <laughs> no i was gonna say like the storm and i was like do princes and princesses really go to like you know target probably well, they not. hire people they, they have servants to do that for them but they have to because i mean like they're not able to like do anything normal. So, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole thing like, but basically from the time that Meghan Markle like came into the picture and, you know, started dating Harry, eventually married him, married into the royal family, then had kids, all of this stuff, they tried everything to make some kind of relationship work where she was like all i want to do i like i want to make this work um and i guess according to them 
the royal family obviously doesn't comment but so all we have to go on is their side of the story but the just the royal family would not play ball um they like their press offices would play against each other so anytime um something was happening that they wanted to distract from they would put out a story about a different royal family member and like they were just kind of pawns being played against each other it was really gross um and then harry and megan so like ran away to uh canada which is part of the commonwealth um right before the pandemic and they were like trying to just like we're gonna be over here we'll still like do everything for you know all of our royal duties um but we're not gonna like you know just leave us alone we'll still do everything we're supposed to do but like we're gonna be over here and not there and we're gonna use our own money Mm. so like if we use our own money that means you don't get you're not entitled to our lives and they it lasted about six weeks before the paparazzi found them and was like they were living on an island and there were just boats of paparazzi like going around good lord they were just not safe at all um and they that just that really caused the rift the other thing that was crazy was um they they participated harry and megan participated in this like study about um you know internet bullying type of thing and they found that like there were i can't remember the numbers anymore but some like astronomical number of hate speech tweets um that were cataloged 700,000 or something like that and they were all traced back to 87 people twitter accounts um who had this you know 1. Point whatever million following collectively and the rest was all just like people retweeting them bots like just it was manufactured by a very all this like tremendous amount of internet hate for them was manufactured by this tiny group of people is crazy ew um so yeah if people you know <laughs> if if you ever hear that like it's probably just bots and it's probably you know look into who's actually saying these things you might want to you know take that a little seriously because apparently it's true and it's not just for politics it's for anything Gross. so um i mean yeah i was glad i watched it it was it was interesting um it was kind of a bummer, but like, hopefully now they're going to be doing better. Um, and I guess now that all of this information is out there about the royal family, it's still one-sided, but one hopes that they would also do some course correction and kind of come forward into the into this century and act like human beings. Yeah, I don't understand the fascination with the royals, but I'm not British, so I'm uh, I, it all just seems very silly to me. But the 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 paparazzi stuff that is super gross and ew. Yeah, ew. I I think the fascination for a lot of people is like that it's just it's such a relic of like 
a time that is not like nothing else from that time do we do anymore but somehow like the monarchy is still there it's not what it was anymore um and they did kind of focus on how like the mon monarchy is like horrible evil colonizers <laughs> and a lot of the non-profit work that harry and megan do was to kind of try to repair that relationship and like the monarchy blew a big opportunity to have representation on of what like many 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 people in the british commonwealth look like in the royal family and they <laughs> fucked it up <laughs> um so very interesting documentary i recommend it if you're if you're interested in royal family life all right well, uh, I will take a left-hand turn and talk a little bit more about The Bad Batch, because uh, it continued to suck until it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. They, uh, just last week's episode, I haven't watched today's yet, we're recording this on a, on, a, on a Wednesday morning, right? So we still, we have a new Mandalorian, new, Ma new Bad Batch, and the season premiere of Ted Lasso to get to, but that's, that's tonight. Uh, last week's Bad Batch was kind of what I was hoping this season would be, uh, like in its entirety. We uh, they started talking about a plot point they opened up on the Clone Wars like 13 years ago uh, <laughs> with this thing called the Zillow Beast that they just they did a whole arc in the season about it, and like the Emperor captured this beast that had like there was this giant kaiju-like monster that was discovered whose skin was completely was able to completely repel lightsabers. It was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Like, it was a pretty pretty interesting plot point. And so like this was before the emperor was the emperor, so Palpatine's like trying to do all these like like political moves to get this beast captured and then brought into some sort of like science lab for obvious reasons he wants to do something with this creature that is resistant to lightsabers. And uh it never paid off. <laughs> they, they like, he got it. They, they captured the Zillow beast and it was brought to a science lab. And then it was never, never seen or heard from again until this episode of the bad batch last week. <laughs> uh, and also we had, um, God, was, was, was that the same one from last week? I don't uh, know. I didn't watch it. Now, now I'm confusing myself. That might've been the week before, right? Yeah. Because the uh the regular crew had to deal with this Zillow beast i think i'm getting this mixed up in my head but either way there was also a storyline about this uh character crosshair who was the interesting one from the bad batch uh who was in the season premiere and then they just kind of effed off without talking about him and uh they uh did this whole thing where he was off on this uh he was he decided to stay with the empire because he's always been a soldier and that's like what he knows and that's what he wants to do and he believes that if he's good enough at his job it doesn't matter that he's a clone it's he's gonna be rewarded and the empire doesn't like the clones they're like we're done with you uh so he winds up on this outpost at where these uh, they're basically just throwing a bunch of clones at this bad situation over and over again uh and he's referred to as used equipment and it was like Ugh. it was super gross and he wound up uh going out with this other clone guy to try and uh, this this guy wanted this uh this shipment of something uh brought back safely this this commander 
And so the clones, the clones that were on this planet have been dying, trying to protect, trying to get this stuff, protect these shipments and get them back. Uh, and, uh, they, they, they keep requesting help from the empire and be like, all right, we're, we're dying here. We can't do this. We need help. You've got to send us supplies. You got to send us something. And the empire kept ignoring them. And so more and more clones are dying to get these shipments, uh, back. So Crosshair and this other, the last of the clones from this place go out to, to get this shipment, even though they're like, this is a suicide mission. There's two of us. There's no way we can do this. They're like, I don't give a crap. We're the Empire. You do what you're told. So they go out there to do it. And of course, the one dude gets uh, seriously injured. So Crosshair's got to kind of carry him back, which is kind of goes against his character a lot of the ways and a lot of ways. But what really sets him off is the fact that there was an avalanche and they find out that the equipment that they've been risking their lives for is frickin' stormtrooper armor. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they've been they've been killing clones to get supplies for their replacements. Oh, I mean, <laughs> so, if you're the Empire, smart move, but still. It was so... It was disgusting. And so at the end of the episode, um, he brings the dude back, uh, the, the clone that was dying, and he was like, this guy's dying. Get him some, get him some medical help. And he's like, no, he's, he's going to die. He's useless to me. He's used equipment. I don't care. You did what you were told. You brought back the shipment. Now let's get moving. And he's like, but this guy's going to die. And then the dude do does die. And so Crosshair just murders the, uh, the commanding officer in front of everybody. And that's where the episode kind of ends. Oof. It's like, oh, I'm very interested to see where this is going. Like. I don't know if it's going to bring this guy back to the rest of his, uh, the rest of his, uh, group, but th this is the kind of, like, yes, it's, it's of course told through a, a children's show, right? It's, it's, it's Star Wars animated stuff. So it's, it's got that same flavor, but this is, these are the interesting stories that make this stuff worth watching. If you're a grown up Star Wars fan, like they haven't been, <laughs> they had the entire season to do this stuff and they've been doing like, Silly little adventures. And, oh, the other bit was, um, Crosshair wakes up at the end, and I have this running theory that I haven't seen anybody else talk about. The Crosshair wakes up at the end because he, he's, he, was, he was also injured on this trip, and after he killed the dude, he kind of collapsed. And then he wakes up at the end of the episode, and there's this lady doctor working on him, and I swear she looks like a grown-up version of Omega when I was talking about the show last time, Omega is this female clone that, like, why does this person exist? Why did they make a female clone who doesn't have accelerated aging? She's basically like Boba Fett, except a girl. And this look... I swear, this doctor looks like a grown-up version of Omega, has that very distinct accent like the clones have. I don't know, I think there's something more to her. Because uh, they linger on her face a lot when uh, they show her waking up uh, crosshair like they linger on her face just a little bit longer than i think they normally would have so that's my theory she's a grown-up version of omega omega is not the only female clone in the universe and i'm interested to see where it goes from here i just hope it continues to go from here like the last thing i want to do is boot up disney plus and be like and now the bad batch goes back to their stupid evil woman who they take stupid missions from and do a bunch of stupid stuff that it has nothing to do with anything <sighs> <laughs> it sounds a little bit like uh is it the Clone Wars cartoon that you were saying like needs to be heavily edited because <laughs> it goes through through stints of like just episodes of like I don't care about this, it's all filler. Yes. Is this also a Dave Filoni joint? 
Yes, this this is a direct follow up to the Clone Wars. It's All the right. same. Uh, the, in fact, the last season of Clone Wars had a backdoor pilot for this show in it. Well, that makes sense. Why then they're like bringing up long lost Star Wars things? Because if anybody's going to do that, it's him. Exactly, Mundo. <sighs> cool. Let's see. The team takes refuge to find new allies. That's the only description of this new episode. Oh, good, and they've got Wanda Sykes' character back on here. Oh, boy. <sighs> yeah, it looks like we're back in crap territory, but I don't know. We'll see. I'll give it a chance. I always do, but episode 13... It's Star Wars. You're gonna watch it. Of course it, of course I am. The only Star Wars I'm not actively wa watching or, uh, is that adorable new like super children's star wars show that's coming out or came out i don't remember but it's uh takes place during the high republic and it looks cute but it's it's like for little kids oh so. okay yeah we have enough of that yeah i don't i don't need that in my life i don't think it's making any uh huge canonical uh contributions <laughs> to the overall star wars mythos that i need to be up probably on. <laughs> not <laughs> all right your turn Okay, uh, I think it's time for me to talk about how happy and excited I am that Party Down is back. Ah, yes, Party Down. <laughs> how? I don't even care, but how did this show come back from the dead? <laughs> um, I was actually listening to another podcast, and this is where Evan would boo, because Evan hates when we acknowledge any other podcast on Earth exists. <laughs> um, but I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about it and they said it seemed like a case of where it's like with so many, um, oh my God, I don't know how that happened, but my phone started playing that podcast. <laughs> like I did not touch it. Ah, yikes. Anyway, um, so they were saying that it seemed like where so many reboots, they get the cast back together and they're like, great, we have all these people. Now, what are we going to do with them? It seemed like in this case, they figured out a good reason or a good like story and then got back as many people as they could. Um, Which is everybody except Lizzie Kaplan, right? Yep, pretty and much. And she kind of made a kind of sort of appearance in the first Yeah, episode. but and it made sense what they did to explain her absence. Everything they did made sense. I loved that they uh, the first episode, they kind of like set the table for where everybody is now and then like brilliantly explained in the pandemic into the course of things. <laughs> um, so that was great. Uh, everybody is back in fine form. I really um, enjoy the new characters. Like they fit right in. Like they could have been there all along. Um, I'm kind of pleased with. Normally you would never hear me say like, oh, I don't, you know, want these women around so much. But, like, I think they're using Megan Mullally and Jane Lynch sparingly, which is good because those characters can be a little much. <laughs> um, but Megan Mullally, she's no longer with the company, um, but she's, like, m a momager to her daughter, uh, Escapade. <laughs> So she ends up being at a lot of the events that the that the company is working and uh Constance, that's Jane Lynch, uh became an investor in the company because she's now a rich widow. <laughs> um which seems spot on for that character. Um all the other old characters seem to like have followed a natural trajectory to like be where they are. Um I feel bad for poor um Adam Scott. Like, mm. though his, his, the most recent one where he uh, had his high school uh, 
English class students present where he pulled off a brilliant example of how he is actually a very good actor. (laughs) (laughs) That was, um, that was chef's kiss. That was really good. Um, I like Jennifer Garner as the new love interest. Oh yeah. She's Um, great. And she seems to be like playing nicely with the rest of the cast. Um, And, you know, (laughs) while like, uh, like 20 something content creator guy is maybe not my most favorite person to be watching. It is exactly who would be working for this catering company and exactly what they would be doing. Oh, for real. And, and it's always great to see Ken Marino. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. He's, he's great. Um, I like how the, uh, the morose guy, I don't know his name. Um, He's like a Roman, a podcaster and, didn't realize that his audience is what it is, which is super funny. <laughs> and like the fact that the, the, the aspire, the big aspiring actor dude, the good looking guy, like it's not like he's been working with the company this whole time. He was so super close to his big break and then, uh, wound up getting himself canceled <laughs> getting himself canceled, and, uh, took the job back working. Beca- with- and not because he's a horrible, hateful person, just cause he's a complete idiot. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's it is the same exact show. It is more of Party Down, which I think is is great because I thought it was and so rare, right? So rare for a show to come back and be good. It was it was tragic that the show only got two seasons. So uh, I'm I'm very very pleased with this. Uh, It's it's been a great watch so far. We're only three episodes in, so I think that's all that's out there. But yeah, as uh, as it continues to go, it continues to impress, which makes me very happy. Same. Well, I will uh I'll pull us back over uh to Star Wars briefly to talk about Mandalorian, which is also back. Uh um, Why is that baby Yoda so cute? <laughs> Why is he so cute? I don't know. It's just I'm glad ridiculous. he is. So I've been super happy with uh the show so far. Um obviously uh there are a lot of Star Wars fans that hate it because um because nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Exactly. Nobody hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. Um there's it's it's actually pretty fun. There's a sect of people who hate it because uh it's not Andor. <laughs> uh there's a sect of people who hate it because uh the book of Boba Fett was apparently so bad that they ruined the show. And I understand the criticism there. I do think it's they after the build up to the end of season 2 uh, of having him finally dropped off, like he was separated from Grogu, and then like all you know, of that emotional processing happened yeah. in another show. And even then, it was like not very much. Like they didn't spend very much time apart, and it kind of it kind of takes a lot out of it. Uh, not enough for me to say it's bad by any stretch. I think it's been freaking great. I'm. I, I do think it's a missed opportunity that they didn't um, have them apart more. Uh, I'm trying to look at uh, some dates here. There it is. Because um, it's been a long time since season two, right? It has. This had a, a pretty wild run. Let's see, when was the last episode of season two? Oh, yeah. Season two, uh, The Rescue, was December 18th, 2020. Get out of town. So it's been a long time 
since we've gotten the Mandalorian, and like, I feel like we should have had more. Um, there should have been more time time apart, and the fact that they basically made Book of Boba Fett season two and a half of this show is like it, it's a weird structure to be sure, but. Regardless, uh, I, I think these first episodes have been great. The apostate was, um, the apostate was, was a, you know, it was a season premiere that had a lot of ground to cover and I thought they covered it, you know, admirably. There was a really cool space battle in there, which was super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that they're really moving right along with this storyline makes me wonder where it's really going. Uh, because we're already in the minds of Mandalore within him. Right. Just seeing this, seeing this, the, the not the Zillow Beast, the uh, whatever that big monster is that's on their helmets, that <laughs> they're on their sigil and whatnot. Uh, I, I'm really excited about all the mythology. I'm glad that they didn't have Bo Katan just slumming around, being sad all day, every day, forever. Like I, I thought that was gonna last longer, but they're like, nah, we're we're gonna shake out, we're gonna shake out of this nice and quick. We get to see Grogu taking care of himself a little bit more and. I think I think it's been great. Two episodes are all we've seen. We've got uh, chapter nineteen today, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very very happy about this. Yes, and I'll take more Bo-Katan all the time. Like if she's joining the crew and they're like gonna go off on more adventures, yes, please. I loved that she picked up the dark saber and was able to wield it like nothing because that's the way it's always been for her. Um, but they showed that uh. Uh, Din still has a real hard time wielding the thing. I don't know where they're going with this. I'm really curious what's going to wind up happening. Like, it seems like the general thing here is to try and unite what's left of the Mandalorian people. And now that we know that Mandalore is not actually uninhabitable, maybe try to take their planet back? I don't know. Um, it's all very interesting. I just hope... I'm curious who's going to wind up with the Darksaber. I watch... Um, I watched the YouTube channel Star Wars Explained where they brought up the interesting point that Bo-Katan is like all about making fun of Din Djarin for his adherence to the, uh, you know, that this is the way all the old, that, that cult that he's part of, you know, and the show does a good job of showing that this cultish behavior is ridiculous, but she's got the same hangups about the Darksaber. Like, no, I can't take it unless I win it in combat. Like, these are your, these are the same ridiculous old rules. If you would just take the sword and lead your people, then be be done with it. You know? And Which, hopefully that's where they're heading with it, is yes. to make that comparison and point that out, and then make her a more, you know, active figure in that in that role. Yeah, I would I would very much like to see that. I'm also I'm really curious about how Boba Fett fits into this because I. I can't shake the feeling that he does in some way, shape or form. Like he's a, he's not a Mandalorian, but he has Mandalorian armor. He kind of like belongs in this storyline, but we also know that, uh, the character of Sabine Wren exists in this universe, right? She's going to be in the Ahsoka show. She might show up in this show too. And she has a history with Bo-Katan as well, or that, that her family anyway, it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen, and I'm very, very excited to see where it's going. I think the show's been great, and I th its ratings are way lower than they have been. Uh, that's There was a report came out, I think, yesterday about it. Like The viewership for Mandalorian Season 3 is leagues lower than it has been, and I think a large part of that does have to do with 
I guess it it just doesn't seem like it's been talked about a lot that it was coming like the, the it coming back didn't seem like a thing that was being pumped up a whole lot, but also you know the whole it's been a couple of years since there was a season of it, so that's probably hurting it a little bit. Uh, Book Boba Fett didn't go over great, but I'm, I'm sure it got watched. But of course, there's the online goons are like, nah, the Boba Fett sucked and Obi Wan sucked, so people don't want to watch Star Wars anymore. It's like that's that's not. That's not true. You know it's not true. Shut up, people. That's that's not the way. That's not the way this works. Just stop armchair piloting Disney Plus, you goons. Uh, I don't know why more people aren't watching it. I I hope it picks up. I hope the show doesn't like get its budget cut or anything like that. Or Disney Plus is having lots of issues right now. Uh, all streaming services are because cable used to be this thing where like, all right, here's how you make money off of TV shows, and then like streaming services come in and. It's not a there there nobody's figured out how to make a ton of money off of them in perpetuity anymore, you know? Like Netflix and, and Disney Plus, they had all right, you got all these viewers, but you don't have constant content that people need to be up on top of all the time, and the prices keep going up and you're basically turning into cable services again. You know, it used to be like, Well, I got Netflix, so I can watch pretty much everything, right? Because everyone's on Netflix. But then everyone decided to make their own streaming services and now it's like well, if I want to watch everything, I have to either subscribe to six different services, which is about the same price cable used to be, or put the pirate hat on. So <laughs> it's it's a mess. There's going to be some there's some sort there's of going to be a reckoning. There's going to be a reckoning on all this uh, streaming content. Like Peacock has not taken off. Uh, Amazon, I'm, Amazon's uh, Amazon's like Game Informer for GameStop. Like people have the Amazon streaming service because they have Prime. You know, <laughs> people aren't signing up for that service. They're like, oh, I get this with that free shipping. Cool. Uh, I, I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, Mandalorian's great. Your turn. <laughs> okay. I also wanted to say that that awesome um, monster that came out of the water in that first episode. Oh yes, was that was rad. so cool. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, all right, well, I'll go back to another uh, reboot, revival, whatever it is, and talk about History of the World Part 2. Uh, we are three-quarters of the way through it. It is. It definitely has the same flavor as the original movie. Uh, it's, it's got, like, uh, like three principles. Um, Ike Barinholtz, Nick Kroll, and Wanda Sykes are, like the main people um that appear in many of the it's all done kind of like sketch format um which is sort of how the original movie was some of the sketches in the original movie were longer some were shorter and that's how the show is but because it's a show i don't know it just and then they will like tell like they'll break a, a a longer sketch into three segments and you know cut away from it to something else for something short um <laughs> i have been finding it hit or miss the Same. things that hit are freaking fantastic make me <laughs> laugh out loud so much and then the things that miss are like ah oh, this is painful um, it's still got a lot of the very stupid Mel Brooks humor. Um, and, 
and the people involved seem to understand that what makes that humor work is the delivery. <laughs> um, so it it is there. There is enough good in it to make it worth watching. But I almost feel like you might start to recognize a pattern and be like, all right, I'm going to skip this bit. I'm going to skip ahead mm -hmm. three minutes or five minutes or whatever it is. Um, what have been some of your favorite or least favorite parts of it? Because my memory's failing me. I have uh, I was actually having a fun conversation in Discord with uh, some folks about this this morning, particularly Dan. Uh, Dan's a huge Mel Brooks fan, and he was terrified to watch this because he didn't want it to be bad. And I convinced him to watch it on the podcast on Friday because we had seen the first, like, two episodes. And uh, the, the first episode, I thought, was just fantastic. It really was. They and started strong. They really did. And, um, like, uh, I, I really like the, uh, I think the Civil War has been really good. I thought the, uh, the, the jackass bit was pretty funny. The, some of the Jesus of Nazareth stuff was good before they did the... Uh, the <sighs> The Last Supper Sessions. The Last Supper Sessions. The, the Fuck the North song. Oh my god, that was so good. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Hitler on Ice was hysterical. The Kama Sutra thing was great. Uh, Curb Your Judaism was pretty funny. Um, the thing is, and, and I came to this conclusion last night, and I, the more I see of this show, the more I stand by it. This should have been a movie. There is enough genuinely hilarious stuff that if they just did that, then this would have been a great follow-up to History of the World Part 1. They could just it, they could have done it, because the stuff that's great, like you said, the stuff that's great has been hilarious, but the stuff that's not has been, eh. And then even some of the stuff that is really good, like I've really liked the Civil War, but it went on for too long. Uh -huh. They could have taken the best bits of that, turned it into like a 20-minute segment, you know, and that would have been fine. That would have been a chunk of the movie, but it would have been, it's a chunk of the show. And it would have been fine. It would have been just fine like that. It would have been great like that. If they had just taken the stuff that really works here and condensed it down to enough to fit into a movie instead of stretching it out into be an entire series, it, it just, they needed an editor. Because you can tell, at least from, I, I don't know the guy, all right? I don't know anything about this thing's creation, but this strikes me as something Mel Brooks wanted to do before he dies. He's like 150 years old. He's 96, I think. 96, 97. Well, like, he clearly wanted to do this. And I'm glad that he did. But I feel like somebody either should have told him that this should have been a movie, or somebody convinced him that this should be a, t a TV series. Because there's just too much here that doesn't work. That would have been so much better with uh, uh, edited down so very much more than it has been and it seems like another symptom of the you know streaming problem that you were just talking about where in this case the people who wanted to do it was hulu hulu to my knowledge doesn't really do movies but wouldn't it have been great if this showed up if this as a movie showed up in the theater absolutely i would have been outstanding i would have went to go see it I would. I mean, I would have tried to the best I can. You know, when you have small children going to see movies that kids can't watch is uh, certainly not the easiest thing in the world. But it's like, and this is definitely something kids can't watch. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god! Just as inappropriate as the original. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, it's the whole the what was what was it called the uh, the 
the Genghis Khan. Um, oh, the Concestry. Cons- <laughs> where it's like an ad for a, de- uh, a genealogy service where, like, you find out that pretty much everybody is related to Kublai Khan. Which is was a great gag, but it went on like the gag itself that went on for about one minute too long. Like it was a relatively short short bit, but it went on a little bit too long. And then they did a call back to it, which was kind of funny, but ultimately not worth it because it still would have been ultimately funnier if it was just a little bit shorter, just that one bit a little bit shorter instead of pulling in the other bit. Like this show is so close to being a really great movie and I can't wait for somebody because some lunatic like me is going to do it, right? Somebody's going to take this show and edit it down to the movie that it should have been. And that's going to be great because like... The this fact that it's done like sketch comedy, uh, broken up into these little bits, makes it perfectly easy to edit together like that. It wouldn't yep, even be absolutely. hard. Now Dan watched the whole thing and he tells me that the last episode was really great too. So okay. I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm just looking at the screenshot here, so it looks like we're gonna get to Jews in space, which I mean yes. I assume you kind of have to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited about it. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad we have this instead of nothing. Um, but it's but just barely, you know. <laughs> so what did what did Dan say? Um, he summed it up. Uh, a movie would have been great. This could have been great. As it stands, I thought it was very okay. It is very okay. Yeah, it's very okay. Um, it's I'm not better mad than at Dracula it. Dead and loving it. So, <laughs> oh my god. I'm glad uh, I'm I'm glad Mel Brooks gets to go out on a, a a better I mean not that he's done yet. Who knows how long the guy can live, you know. Hopefully forever. Hopefully forever. All right. Uh I will take the next bit and I will talk about the return of Star Trek Picard. Of course you will. Of course I will. <laughs> Cuz apparently all I watch is Law and Order and science fiction. Uh, I have also been really enjoying this. Uh, let's see, where are we at? We are four episodes into Star Trek Picard, which has been suffering from one bit that I, uh, kind of felt was a problem with the show from season one to season two, but I'm, it's bothering me way less. And the thing is, is that, so season one invented this like crew and then season two rolled around and like most of them were there. But the the main girl that the whole season was about was basically, like, turned into a one-off character who showed up in a couple episodes, and then that was that. And now season three's here, and the only new character we have back is Rafi. Yeah, it's basically like another season of Next Gen, but, like, you know, 140 years later. Yeah, this is... Everyone is old as fuck. This is Picard's uh, the Party Down season three. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Which, which is, if again, it's fine. It's actually really fun. Uh, I've been really enjoying the heck out of it. I think it's it's well acted. It's well put together. It's uh, it's a little dark. Um, and the uh, visuals like there could use a little bit more lighting. Just not in tone. I mean, like it's hard to see sometimes. Like just how dark some of this stuff gets. But the fact that Rafi's still there is like all right. So we're acknowledging that this is season three of this show, but. None of those people that you really like, like the doctor guy, the, 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 not the doctor, the, the uh, pilot, the pilot who also had like this holographic version of himself as a doctor or like, he was great. He Where was, is he? he's in, he went and stayed in the past last season. 
Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I forgot he, about like, that. He fell in love with that doctor chick and was like, I'm out of here. I remembered that. I forgot that he stayed back there. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess that explains why he's not there. And I understand why, you know, what's-her-face isn't there, because she's half Borg and now traveling through the universe. Maybe she'll show up again. I don't know. But... Kind of bothersome. But you know what? I See, miss Allison Pill. Yeah, which, well, she's the one who's half Borg and floating around in the galaxy now. Oh, right? I thought you were talking about Seven. Oh, yeah. No, Seven's... She's back. Which, you know, she's she's, she's a legacy character, yeah, too. Yeah, she's exactly not exactly new. Um, Yeah, it... I guess they explain them away well enough. I just kind of miss having a consistent cast. But it is cool to have the next-gen cast back as much as they are, and I'm curious to see where this whole thing with Worf and Rafi are going, and especially how that's going to how that's going to work into bringing them all together, because that's obviously what they're doing here. They're bringing everybody together. And I, I really hope that they get to that soon, because I've had about enough. Like, clearly the two plot lines are connected. Yeah. Um, And, like, the whole portal device thing is actually really interesting to me. Quite. But, like, I want them to just... They had this whole, like, couple episode arc where they were running away from, like, this crazy bad guy with this crazy weaponry and they were stuck and they were stuck in this nebula and like the ship was gonna go down and get destroyed and everybody was gonna die and then they pulled it out at the last minute which is great but i'm like okay we're done with that get get to you know because we yeah we've got to the stopping point of that one and we got to the stopping point in the rafi wharf thing right because rafi and wharf were like all right we're gonna work together now and we're gonna solve this thing so that's where they left that off now they've tied up what Picard and Riker are up to. Let's get them all together. Let's let's get to work. I love Jordy's uh kid is great. Uh Jordy's daughter is wonderful, so I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing Jordy uh LaForge show up in the show. Let's see who else is on the poster. Uh due to um what's his name? Brent Spiner. He's on the he's on the cover art. So they're gonna bring him back in somehow. Uh is like is Wesley around? We saw we Wesley. We saw him. I don't, yeah, I don't really understand that. I need to, I need to, somebody who's into more Star Trek than I am to explain the Wesley situation, because, like, Beverly Crusher is a main character in this show, and she seems to think Wesley's not around anymore, but Wesley was around, like, Will Wheaton showed up in an episode. Was that in Picard, or was that on Strange New World? I can't remember. Hell if I know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> too much Star Trek. Yeah, it's it's more continuity than I have the brain brain power for, but I'm I'm very curious how that's going to work out if it if they're even going to mention it. But like cuz they've mentioned Wesley on the show and like as in he's somebody that is not around anymore. But he was like some sort of weird celestial being or something in that like he turned into a god or something. Oh god, I don't know. <laughs> very confusing. Don't know, don't care. Picard season 3 has been great. Yeah, just somebody explained it to us. Yes. We're stupid. <laughs> uh, so that'll be cool. All right, your turn. Okay. Um. Well, the I'm gonna take our uh latest comedy obsession, which is Letterkenny, <laughs> <laughs> a show people have been telling us to watch for years, and we finally got around to, and are now maybe I don't know about you, but I'm kicking myself that I hadn't seen it sooner. Yeah, a little bit. I... Uh I do wish I had watched this, caught, caught onto this one sooner. But you know, better late than ever. So very, uh, very well done. Very smartly written. Uh, it's you know these. It's a small town in Canada, and then there's these three, <clears throat> like groups of characters. There's the Hicks, 
who are kind of the main characters and then uh, a group of like drug addict, rave, like emo kids and uh, the hockey players. Why don't I right. think of that? Um, and they seem to kind of like do some do something slightly different every season, which I think is good because it keeps things fresh. We are, we just started season four. Yeah. There's like what? 185 of these seasons. Season 11, 11 seasons. The and they're short. One. They're six episode seasons, a half hour episodes. Um, but like the third season was all set in winter. So that made it a little different. Um, and I think that's good because I think if they kept everything the same all the time, it would, um, you know, you it would get a little boring. The downside is some of the things that I they try to, um, you know, differentiate the seasons don't always work. And so, like, you know, if, like, you don't like a certain character or a certain thing, well, that's going to be around for the whole season, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And by the end of the season where um, Jonesy and Riley were the stars of the hockey team and everybody else on the hockey team sucked and they didn't have any winning games, by the end of that season where the five hockey players would each go through and same say some variation of the same thing, I was like, we get it we get it boys Ferda. <laughs> it's enough um i'm seeing something here that we didn't see uh-oh we missed something so i'm looking at the end of season three and we ended with bradley as a killer uh-huh but there's something on here called the haunting of modines 2 oh uh season three episode seven I guess maybe I it was if... a special and Evan hey. didn't get it for us. Yes. The Hicks helped their old pal Gail get to the bottom of a strange brew happening at the local bar. And I kind of wonder if there was another one somewhere. Because, like, we came back between seasons and there was, like, the bar was gone. And I couldn't remember how or why that happened. Wasn't it because the Native uh, American character, or I don't know if they call them Native Americans when they live in Canada, but um, but those characters like went on a rampage and started setting things on fire. Like they set the produce stand on fire. I thought they burned down Modines too. Oh, maybe they. I did. could be wrong. Yeah. There's a lot to this show because I'm looking up. I feel like there's a bunch of like little. All right, so this is. What's 2013, a show called Letterkenny Problems? What is this? I have no idea. Maybe, it seems like a show that maybe started as a web series and then got picked up. Yeah, and so there's there's more to it. There's a Shorzy spinoff. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely something I'm missing here, and that's that, That's fine. It, it, it's good for you. Something Little little Kenny? There's an animated Letterkenny where they're all kids? <laughs> oh, what? God. Uh, yeah, if you know more about Letterkenny than us, please let us know what we're missing. Um, I, the way I keep describing the show is it's like if uh, Kevin Smith was from Canada and made a TV show instead of movies. Because <laughs> uh, the, the humor is very similar and it's about, you know, people from a small town where there isn't very much to do other than drink, fight, fuck, and play hockey. Um so the but the the rapid fire kind of 
back and forth between the Hicks is my favorite part of the show. Um, yeah, the, by far. Like the the drug addicts, I'm like, I can take or leave them for the most part. And the hockey guys, I think, are way funnier when they're being made fun of by the Hicks. Yes. Uh, I, I just I the the subplots are never as good as the the main stuff, as far as I can tell. But they really have a handle on exactly how much to hammer a joke and repeat a catchphrase, and you know, not. Bang it into the ground. Um, so yeah, uh, if this is, uh, and there's a early season one episode uh, called Fart Book, which is it's like the third episode. It's like the thing you have to get past, apparently, according to all fans. It's like the worst episode. They were off their game. God knows what they were thinking, but <laughs> um, if, if you get past that. Or even skip it, I think it doesn't really have much of an impact on. Like, they don't really call back to that episode. There's no real important plots in that, plot points in it. You could just skip it. Um, I wouldn't, though, because the first half of it's hysterical. That's the episode where it's like, what is it? It's like geometry. It's like algebra. Why you gotta put numbers and letters together? Why can't you just go fuck yourself? <laughs> That's Chris's favorite line from the show so far. Absolutely hysterical. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I love it. It's hilarious. Uh, their lexicon has definitely entered our vocabulary <laughs> quite a bit. I'm now prompting my son when he loses focus. I'm like, hey, John, pitter patter. And he has no idea what I'm talking about. I uh, was uh, talking with a friend of mine on, on uh, commented on something on Facebook the other day, and he uh, ended the phrase with can confirm. And I was like, is that a low-key Letterkenny reference? He was like, oh my god, I think it was. <laughs> like, he didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> but yeah, they have, a, they have some very specific catchphrases. And you're 100% right. It definitely has that Kevin Smith feel, but but Canadian. Uh, right. And, and in a really good way like without the uh without the baggage that some kevin smith stuff comes with don't get me wrong i'm a huge kevin smith fan but there's like a certain degree of emotional stuff that comes with that and uh letter kenny just is is almost pure comedy uh, it's 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 gold it's a wonderful show i'm so glad we're watching it like there's a direct parallel between jay and silent bob and the skids there's a direct <laughs> parallel between uh dante and um Randall. Randall and the Hicks. <laughs> and they're definitely tertiary characters in uh in Kevin Smith properties that correlate to the hockey players as well. Indeed. Anyway, yeah, fantastic your show. turn. Is there anything left? <laughs> I not not really. I was gonna match I mean I'm doing a rewatch of Mrs. Maisel, you're doing a rewatch of Gilmar Girls. Oh and my god. We're sort of both watching <laughs> Amy Sherman Palladino uh Yes, bits. Paladino uh, is strong in this house. Yeah, and it's been it's been fun. You know, every time I come upstairs and she's like watching one over lunch, I'll sit down and she keeps me up to date on like what's been going on because I, you know, I'm seeing every episode of of that show. Gilmore Girls is a fantastic show. So like, I get these fun little updates. It's like, ah, oh, Lorelai just got Paul Anka. I was like, oh yeah, the fucking dog. I forgot about that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's definitely an experience. Like every time. Every time Christopher reappears in the show and I start yelling two <laughs> floors up from Chris, like where he's working. And I'm like, then I text him. I'm like, I'm yelling about Christopher again. It's not you. 
<laughs> and he's like, I didn't even hear you, but if I did, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't think twice of it. I, I know I know what show you're watching. We're good. Oh, Christopher. Yeah, and uh, where are we in, where am I in Miss Maisel? They just, um... You said they were in the Catskills. Oh, yeah, we just got past that. They just did their tour. That was a complete disaster. Oh, God. Uh, and she just did her TV show appearance. Mm. Um, so she did the telethon where she met Shy Baldwin in the bathroom, and uh, Jane Lynch's character was there, and she uh, tried to force her to go on, like, super-duper late, and she wound up uh, doing a really good job anyway, and everybody there loved her, and it was great. So, okay. yeah. Great show. And, I can't and- wait for that one to come back. When is that? That's a good question. That's that's another show that takes way too long between seasons. So we would be looking at season four, I guess. Four or five. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess it would be first season five. Yeah, so when's season five happening? This year sometime. Thanks Let's for the see. specificity, Internet. Oh, everything. Uh, da, da, da. See, the series confirmed on Twitter. The season five will drop April 15th. Oh, fuck. That's soon. Yeah. Apparently this just happened on March 2nd. They announced that. Wait, Man. I saw this trailer. <laughs> I knew this already. <laughs> Did I write it down on my list OTV shows? Let's see. Uh, I did not. So let's go ahead and add that to the list. Goodness gracious me. What, uh, what a year of TV we've had so far. Oh my Lord. And I'm just looking at my list and realizing like, um, like I just got the, I flew to England and got the next season of Call the Midwife. Um, and never have I ever dropped on Friday season four. So. So let's see. We're as of today, where uh, we've got the man party down Picard, party down Mandalorian, history of the world, and I have Bad Batch. Also, Ted Lasso's today. Shadow and Bones tomorrow. Jesus. Okay, and we need we, to stop the podcast right now because we've got way too much TV to watch. But then we can we can chill with that stuff until April fourteenth when Miss Maisel comes back, and then April twenty seventh when Sweet Tooth comes back. And then nothing else I have any sort of, like, there's a whole lot of Marvel stuff that I don't know is going to happen anymore, or, like, at least not this year anymore. Like, um, just because Marvel said that they're kind of pulling back, and I think that's a really good idea. Like, they've been hitting us with too much Marvel too fast. Uh, But Ahsoka's this year. Too fast and too furious. Don't don't get me started. (laughs) Coming up on the finale of watching fast and furious movies 15 minutes at a time thanks to paul from uh a theater near you he guessed it on this show a few few weeks back a few months back actually um he really wants me to watch all the fast and furious movies so and i keep saying no because i have no interest in watching them and then he said all right i have this really stupid idea and like he must know that i just i'm a really big fan of stupid ideas like we watched all the rocky movies in a single day he said if you watch 15 minutes a day you'll be able to catch up on the entire franchise before Fast 10 comes out. I'm like, all right, that's just stupid enough to work. So I've been watching Fast and Furious movies for 15 minutes a day, and I'm uh, coming up on the grand finale of Tokyo Drift, which, holy crap, these movies are more complicated than I expected. Uh, Goodness gracious me. But that's a podcast for another podcast. It is indeed. Um, 
Oh, I should move this up to the top. We started Severance, and we got one episode in before we just kind of stopped. Uh, it's not that I'm not interested in continuing. It's just it's so different, dark, and dry compared yeah. to everything else that I'm like, I can't find a <clears throat> a day where I'm like, yes, I feel like more of that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it, lot. It hasn't been... It hasn't pulled me in enough to be like, oh, I want to know what happens next. Yeah, which, I mean, we've only watched the first episode, so we should give it more, but at the same time, like, we're not hurting for stuff to watch. We started it when we had nothing else, and now it's and like, now well, we're drowning. now we're neck deep in Letterkenny, we still have another season of Harley Quinn that we haven't gotten to, but I'm cool with giving that show a break for now. Like, we we marathoned the first two seasons of that pretty quickly, so, but... You know, between Letterkenny and Picard, Party Down, Mandalorian, History of the World, now Ted Lasso and Shadow and Bone, Ms. Maisel and Sweet Tooth, like, we got TV. <laughs> we are covered in the TV Our long department. winter is over. Yes, indeed. But speaking of things being over, I think it's uh, time to wrap this up. You got yes, anything else? Yes, please. No, I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Sorry again for uh, the lack of Evan and Angie, but they are off doing wonderfully important things. This week's episode is not filmed before a live studio audience, but it is fueled by feedback from listeners like you, and you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. We have an official Geekade Discord, where there's an entire This Week's Episode channel dedicated to all things TV talk, and of course the regular Geekade social media accounts linked to in the show notes. The four of us, or the two of us, can be found in various ways. I'm available on Twitter at GeekadeChris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S. You can read my work at StoneAgeGamer.com and in the pages of Nintendo Force magazine. Karen, where can our listeners find you? At STM Stitches on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Etsy, um, and TikTok. Cool. And Evan and Angie, they have their usual places. Yeah, TalesOfCapeFear.com, uh, AngelaFernot.com. If you need to know more about the shows we discussed tonight or what we'll be watching in the future, have a look at our show notes. And if you have any other questions at all, we can always be reached at MailAtGeekade.com. Just include the words this week's episode in the subject line so we know who you're trying to reach. This show is available anywhere fine podcasts are sold, including fine Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and more. And wherever you decide to listen, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave reviews, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. And as always, keep your eyes on Geekade for more fresh, original content. Did I mention the Patreon? Do I, have all th- I, don't I don't think you did. I don't have a thing about the Patreon in here. We have a Patreon. If you want early access to this show, or several other Geekade shows, uh, head over to our Patreon and find more information about it there, and I will update the script to include that. So as a reminder, your homework is uh, Poker Face. I believe season one, episode one, right? It was a. Uh, yeah. You're asking me like I remember shit. <laughs> Pretty sure it was just the, uh, the the first episode of Poker Face. I'm really looking forward to that one. I heard that show was great. So uh, yeah, we'll talk about that next month with a, a freshly homed Evan and Angie and their their nice new house. Congratulations to them. And uh, that's it. Uh, we will see you next time. Um, I don't know how you want to do the closing. Uh. I never get to say something silly, but All I right, don't have so... anything silly to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, think of something silly. Okay. I'm Chris. Allegedly. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Good night. <laughs> well done. And this concludes our broadcast day.